Hi, welcome to Sleepwell's podcast. I am your host, Shannon Glenn. This is episode number 18. Today I'm going to sit down again with Haley Nelson and do part two of our conversation. We're going to talk about how lack of sleep can really impact your self-care and the importance of self-care. I think you'll enjoy the episode. Hi, Haley. Welcome to the Sleep the, the Sleep Well podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'll call this part two of our of our conversation that we had earlier. Thank you so much for uh, being a trooper and wanting to talk more about sleep. I think that you have a valuable story, valuable message that a lot of other parents can definitely relate to. Well, anything I can do where other people feel like they're not in it alone and that there's others of us going through a similar thing, I am all for supporting that and just giving my story to whoever needs it so that they feel connected to someone and just not that alone peace and feeling. Well, and I have to tell you, uh, I got an email from a client, a previous client of mine yesterday that listened to the podcast and was like, I was so, it was just so like, that's me. That's my story. Anyway, so you already uh, are having people that definitely can relate to what you're, what you're saying. And I'm sure that there are more out there that just, I haven't heard from, but I know for myself having a little bit of, of comfort and knowing like other people went through this and like it can get better uh, really was, was helpful for my well-being and mental health for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. Yeah. So today we want to shift the focus onto talking about how sleep impacts our self-care. Obviously, as we know, self-care is such an important part of staying healthy, both physically and mentally, but it's also a really, really important piece of the parenting puzzle. And something that I say to parents all the time, like your child needs to sleep better, not because it's what's best for his health. It's also what's best for your health too. And I think there's just not enough conversation around like as parents, it's just give, 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 give. And we almost feel guilty for like, hey, what about me? Um, But in reality, in order to give them what they they need, you really do need to take care of yourself. It is so important that that, that happens. Uh, and obviously, as a part of that self-care, sleep is, is a piece to that for sure. Right. Which is a so, piece that I knew I was going to lose out on, but not for as long as I did. Um, and right. So I think, and they say when you're pregnant, your body goes through so many changes where your sleep changes. But I slept great when I was pregnant. So then when I had Lincoln and then just got no sleep and it was a continuation of months of no sleep, that's where you're right. The self-care just diminishes and pretty much just goes away. Yeah, it, it really, it really can. And I always tell clients when they're pregnant, you know, cause I also was very lucky and did not have a ton of sleep issues at all. I had a little bit of like at the end, you know, a little uncomfortable, but nothing crazy like some people experience. Um, and I always say like, after that baby is born, like you don't have a sleep bank to pull from, like you don't have a savings for your sleep that you can just draw from in order to get through even those first three months. Like it's no matter what, we're all going to go into a form of sleep deprivation when we have kids. It's just Mm -hmm. inevitable. Uh, and so depending upon how bad it is or how long it is, is really the, the big piece to that. And that really can start to really impact how self-care look, 
looks for for a mom or a dad for sure. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what did your sleep look like before Lincoln was born? My sleep was pretty good. Um, I've always loved sleep. And so it's never been an issue for me not to get sleep. And I always tried where I was like, I need to get at least seven hours. So I felt like I averaged between seven to nine hours of sleep a night. And Mm -hmm. I love staying up a little bit later at night, 10, 30, 11, and sleeping in until seven. And so that was pretty much my nightly routine. And that's what I thrived on. And so my sleep, I felt like was routine, was consistent, and really good. And then just completely all changed. You know, and it's something interesting that you say um, in that you are you really like to sleep. I really kind of find I have to, I, well, I never speak to a parent that says they don't want to sleep. However, I will say that I do see two camps of parents that I work with. Ones that are like, I have always been a really good sleeper and sleep is something I've always known I needed. And a When I say a lot, I mean, you know, just a consistent amount, because obviously, as we know, too much sleep isn't a good thing either. But um, I would say most of the parents that say that they love sleep are just good sleepers and have always really valued their sleep. Or I have Mm -hmm. the other camp of parents that are like, I've struggled with sleep issues my whole life, and I don't want my child to go through that. Um, And that is why sleep has become important for them, because they didn't get any. But either way, it does seem like the parents that um, I, I see or uh, work with definitely have sleep as a, something they valued one way or another before their children were born, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and so I then said I waited to have a baby because I love sleep so much and I knew I was going to lose right. out on it. So I prolonged having a baby. And that was one of the reasons why was because I just value sleep to where I was like, I need to be prepared to lose sleep when I have this, when I have a baby. So I even prolonged when I had Lincoln, just one of those factors being sleep. Right. Yeah. It, um, it was, it was definitely a super, it was a really big deal for me too. Um, and I was, I, yeah, I was very anxious about it ahead of time. And, uh, I knew from periods in my life where not on my own choosings, but different jobs that I had that I did and, you know, college too, where my sleep was impacted and I really did not like that. So I was Mm -hmm. also pretty, pretty nervous about that for sure too. So, so then Lincoln comes along and how much sleep a night would you say you were getting when he wasn't sleeping well? Oh boy. Um, maybe two to three hours mm-hmm. on a bad night, which were most nights. And that wasn't consolidated two or three hours. That was 30 minutes here, 45 minutes there. So just these small chunks of sleep, but then put it together. And it was probably around three-ish hours. But like I said, not the consolidated sleep. Right. Yeah. And obviously, as you already mentioned before, we need seven to nine hours of consolidated sleep. So even a seven hour broken night is not a great night of sleep. And so then when you cut that more than in half on the low end of what you're getting, honestly, it would take just days to throw you into some pretty serious sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because that's how you start after you have the baby. It's you're up every two to three hours. And so you're Uh like, well, I'm not going to get much sleep to begin with. And so I think that's what I was prepared for, but not long-term. I was prepared for it short-term, but not the long-term effects. Right. Tell us about the first time you noticed, like, oh my goodness, this lack of sleep is really hitting me. It's really affecting me. 
Right around six weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. We had a brutal six weeks. And I remember this because my husband was gone for five days. And I had talked about this in my previous podcast where I knew there was this regression that they go through at six weeks. Mm-hmm. But the regression happened and then it just the sleep didn't get better. And so it was right around six weeks where I just felt like this is not getting any better. It's getting worse. And I'm waiting for that turning point. So each night I just said, it's got to get better. It's going to get better tonight. And so it was a continuation of just feeling disappointed every night because it didn't get better. And then I was like, I just got to make it to the four months. They have a huge four month regression. We're going to get past that. And then we're going to get on track. We're going to figure it out from there. So I think I was kind of following like the development of baby and then allowing that to be my timeline. But then at four months, the regression hits and I didn't think it could get worse. And then it got worse, but then it never got better. Um, and so I think it was like six weeks to four months. It was like, okay, I just got to power through this. And then at four months, it was like, I cannot, cannot do this anymore the way that it's going. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember for me, I uh, had to go back to work a little sooner than I wanted to with our daughter. Um, And I remember picking her up from daycare one day and she was bawling crying because she hadn't napped all day. Um, And I remember her crying the whole way home in the car seat at like a level 10 in the car, you know, and when you're in the car with a crying baby, like it's, it's, it's a pretty brutal form of torture for both Mm -hmm. parties. Um, And I remember pulling over on the side of the road and just bawling with her. Like I, the night before was horrific. None of us had slept and I was trying to like work. I was running a project um, like a nonprofit camp uh, project. And I was like, I mentally don't have the ability to literally drive like the half mile we need to go to get home. And, um, and I like sat on the side of the road crying with her in the back seat. My husband at the time was coaching football, so I, I couldn't even call him because he was unavailable. Um, mm-hmm. And then in, that, he and I actually did a podcast a month or two ago, and he was talking about when it really hit for him. And it looked a little bit different, but he uh, was hanging on by a thread because his sleep was so small anyway because of his job. And he showed up to go to uh, a game. He was going to an out-of-town game, and he had two different pairs of shoes on. And oh. um, in a suit. And I mean, and while that seems small, it was like – holy cow, like I have on like literally two different pairs of shoes, like to make that big of an air when you're getting dressed with lights on, like he wasn't getting dressed in the dark, <laughs> the lights were on. Um, and he was like, this just, it was abundantly. And, and then he was like, and I actually drove myself here. Like if I can't put on two right. of the right colored shoes and I physically got behind the wheel of a car, like, that's dangerous, you know? Um, but I, I remember- and, and that wasn't long after my time. I was going to say, I remember feeling that way. I drive 30 minutes to where I work and there, and I go through a Canyon. I go from Bozeman to Livingston and there were drives where I would show up to my office and be like, I barely remember any of that drive. Um, This is so dangerous. I am so, I would never do that drive with my baby in the car, but it was just that sense of like, I am in such a daze. I should not even be leaving the house. And here I am driving a vehicle 30 minutes away. Right. So I was actually was just, just having sc- scary realization too. Absolutely. I was just having a conversation with the client on Monday about like the impacts, you know, she was asking me 
their sleep. We are just starting a sleep plan. They started Monday night and their sleep's in a really rough place. Um, and she was talking about driving while being tired and it is equivalent to driving while drink, like being intoxicated. Um, mm -hmm. like your react, everything about your reaction and your driving looks exactly the same. Um, and so it is very real and, uh, something that isn't really discussed with, with people with young kids. Like this is something that a lot of us are going through. Uh, and it is something very, very serious and real and should not be taken lightly or, you know, blown off because accidents happen. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then shifting that all over, if you're only sleeping two to three hours a night and Lord knows that you're not doing anything to take care of yourself um, and you're not, I mean, you're probably barely getting, getting by. I mean, I remember being super proud of myself when on days when I wasn't working for taking a shower. And honestly, if I hadn't gone back to work, I don't know how often I would have showered like a very basic right. Um, you know, a very basic hygiene need felt like a luxury to me because I was so exhausted. I just didn't have energy. So oh, I, I agree with that because going to work back to work for me was almost a reward. Um, like I yeah. get to feel human. I get to get dressed. I get to shower. And then I get to go interact with other adults and have these adult conversations and just get out of the house. It almost just felt, um, like a really good day for me but then it was like yep. I was so exhausted where it was like I'm so excited but I'm so exhausted um and then on the days that I was at home there was just no self-care even a shower where you're like oh the baby's gonna wake up I'm gonna take a quick one to two minute shower and then that's gonna be my success for the day right yeah and I, I um I did an overnight with a client a couple of weeks ago and she was like I you know don't shampoo my hair very often because it feels like there's something with me shampooing my hair like the baby knows I'm gonna take extra time to wash my hair and he's gonna have that be the time he wakes up and so mm -hmm. of course because you don't want that to happen so I mean a very basic thing of like just keeping your hair clean she was limiting because she was so she felt there was definitely a connection to like the longer shower need and him getting up. Right. And that is a very basic piece of hygiene, really, like not even, you know, something that we would necessarily call really diving deep into self-care. Uh, and mm -hmm. it is really, really tough. How would you say that the, the sleep deprivation impacted your self-care? Oh, in every way possible, where it was showering, became a chore, um, eating, I, before having Lincoln, I worked out up until three days before having him where I was mm -hmm. consistently going to the gym, even if it was walking for 30 minutes. And so mm -hmm. I felt like I was a very healthy individual. And so then when I had him, there was no more working out, which I needed to wait the six weeks anyway. But I remember during that six weeks being like, I am so excited when the six week mark hits because that means I can start working out again and feeling human. Then the six right. week market and I was so exhausted that the thought of the gym seemed like another job. Um, right. And so it was interesting how my mindset shifted so much during the six weeks. Mm -hmm. So excited to get to that point to work out six weeks hits all goes out the window. And then also the eating part, I ate so healthy before having him, but then getting no sleep, another job making a meal and making a healthy meal at that too, where it was like, I don't have time to even take a two minute shower or 
sit down for a five minute cup of coffee, there's no way I can make a healthy meal. So then my husband and I would just get takeout pretty frequently, which doesn't Mm -hmm. make me feel any better. And then it was just even running errands or feeling like you have this sense of identity away from being a mom where walking through Target or going to work, I felt like all of those were so like just felt so exhausting, the thought of going and doing something. And so I think my self-care of just giving my time myself time to go and do the things I enjoy or be with the people I enjoy, it just all went away because it was all about me trying to figure out how to take care of my baby and get him sleep. Right. Yeah. I, uh, and actually I was, um, just listening to a a nutrition seminar uh, a couple of weeks ago that was talking about the reality of sleep deprivation, really skewing your hunger. Um, and like there, you know, of course there's, everybody knows there's studies out there linking lack of sleep to, um, obesity and weight gain. Uh, but they were like people who aren't sleeping well often have a very, um, unregulated sense of hunger like you feel and I know that was the case for me like I often felt hungry uh never for good food always for bad food definitely sugar Mm -hmm. uh, and I never was a sugar eater much before um and it was all like biologically some things were changing in me um wasn't just like why am I craving these things but it was like throwing off like the balance in my system because of the lack of sleep and and now there's a lot of research on there that like there's a real connection there Mm-hmm. Um, between between the lack of sleep, increased hunger, and increased um, desire for foods that are not good for you. Right, which makes complete sense. And even just the time, too, where never in my life until having Lincoln did I eat pizza for breakfast. But there was something right. easy about grabbing a piece of pizza out of the fridge and eating it for breakfast when I had a quick – like he was in my arms and – if I put him down, he cried. So what can I eat with him being in my arms? A quick slice of pizza. It was just, it's been a really big transition where you're like, okay, I'm so tired. I can't do these things, but I also need to figure out how to do these things because my self-care needs to get better to make me feel better. Right. And, it, and, and would you say that was something that, um, you know, you realize that you had, well, first, obviously, step one, get him sleeping better. So you have the actual time and energy to get to better self care. Uh, But would you say that like you realized as kind of a part of what you were going through, that you really needed to make some focus on your self care? Like, did you put make some steps to make that happen? I, you know, it's just, it's taken me a really long time. And I'd say my little boy is almost a year old. And probably within the last three weeks is when I started making those changes. Um, And so it took me a while to get to those point, this point, because it would be temporary changes like, okay, I went to the gym twice in the week. Um, when mm-hmm. really I wanted to go five times or I made one dinner and then I fell off the bandwagon. Um, so right. it was kind of just like these bits and pieces where I would try and make the changes, but they would never be long term. And so I'd say it was in the last two to three weeks where I feel like I'm getting to that point again. Like now I can take my little boy to the gym and drop him off in the little center that they have. And <laughs> I feel more comfortable leaving him at home, either with my husband or my mom, where I'm not this helicopter parent over him. And I can actually go to a coffee shop and do work for two hours and not feel this sense of guilt of leaving him. 
And I've noticed that that makes me feel better getting a little break here and there from him, but also just doing those things that I enjoy or going out to dinner with a friend. Like my self-care is just now coming back, but I think I've made it more of a priority at this point. And before it just, it wasn't a priority or even energy to put as a priority. A possibility. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one thing I often like to say um, with my, with my clients, um, once baby is sleeping better and then, you know, you start sleeping better, then it does sometimes have to be like, okay, baby step my way back into this, but I do need to make some diligent efforts to say like, I need this, this and this, and this week I'm going to try to bring this back on, you know, like acknowledging Mm -hmm. and then trying to force, you know, initially probably force yourself to do it till it becomes more habit and more rhythm again. Right. How would you say you are sleeping now? Like what does your sleep look like now? I'm sleeping better, still not great, but I think my body got into such a routine and rhythm of waking up every hour to two hours that I think Mm -hmm. I'm now reprogramming my body to be like, it is okay to sleep more than an hour to two hours. So we right. put Lincoln down around 7.30-ish, depending on his last nap. It's always between 7.15 and 8. And then I make sure I go to bed by 9.30, which has been another transition for me. Because before Lincoln, I loved the 11 o'clock hour. Like, I loved that two to three hours you get at the night to do whatever you need to do. And so mm-hmm. I've had to program myself to go to bed earlier than I have all of my life, but then also reprogramming my body to be like, it is okay to sleep long stretches. I don't need to get up every hour to two hours, which has also been a challenge in itself. Cause once Lincoln started sleeping better, I was up. Um, and that's just what I became so used to that. Now he sometimes still has one wake up a night And we'll Mm -hmm. go work through the wake up, but now I can easily go back to sleep and not be wide awake. Is he going to wake up five or six more times? He's woken up once. What does this look like now? Now I'm just more relaxed and at ease than I was. Right. And are you trying to keep with a consistent bedtime most nights? We are. Yep. So it's typically within that half hour to 45 minutes. Um, of putting him down it just all depends on his last nap of the day which is typically around the same time so I think that helps because he is now programmed around what time he goes to bed and even if he takes a later nap we still have downtime even if it's a later bedtime so that it's not just high energy and late bedtime. Um, I think we've learned kind of techniques for him too. And for us where it just makes Mm -hmm. bedtime a lot easier and more of a routine. For sure. Yeah. Makes uh, such a difference. What would you say that you uh, have learned about sleep as it relates to self-care? The less sleep you get, the less self-care you give yourself. Um, I noticed that not getting sleep just affected me in so many different areas. And then that affected how I took care of myself. I just, I lost all taking care of myself. And so it was, even if I had an okay night of sleep, I eat, I still felt tired. And I think that's what was the challenging part was just that always feeling tired and having every little thing feel like a job. So then I just completely let all things go. And that means my entire self-care as a whole. 
Right. And one thing we did not touch on, but for for anybody listening, of course, it is recommended if you don't get good night's sleep and you have a really broken night uh, to try to take a nap during the day. I don't want anybody listening to be like, why aren't they just saying take naps? But the reality is a nap typically is not going to make up for hours of missed night sleep, number one. And number mm-hmm. two, a lot of adults can't nap. Uh, like they don't nap well, they can't nap long, or you just don't have the time to be able to do that because you can't rely on baby. Um, and so I just want to throw that in there. Advice typically is if you have a really broken night's sleep to try to get a nap in every day if you can. But uh, you know, the reality for a lot of parents is that doesn't happen. Right. And I'm a hard, I have a hard time napping. And I felt like every time I would try and take a nap is when he would only have like a 20 minute nap. So then there's that resentment where it's like, oh, I just laid down and now you're awake. And so then there was this piece of me where I was like, I don't even want to have those feelings of resentment. So I'm just going to take the maybe 20 minutes and brush my teeth. Um, Right. Because it's yep. been all morning and I haven't had a chance to brush my teeth. And those were like those little pieces of, oh my goodness, I feel human. I brushed my teeth and right. I feel like I accomplished something today. Yeah, no, for sure. And it, um, and again, that's just a simple part of what should be basic hygiene, you know, mm-hmm. and da- daily just um, living really not a, not a luxury. <laughs> um at all. And it is kind of amazing how those things, how those things change uh, and what that, what that looks like. And, you know, I am, I am really grateful you chose to come on here uh, because I uh, am a big believer in like taught being real about what the parent journey looks like um, and being, you know, real about the struggles and the challenges of it um, and, and trying to find ways to make sure that, you know, you're taking care of yourself and not, you don't lose yourself completely during that process. Cause I see so many times where that's happening to the families that I work with. Um, and that doesn't make for a better you or a good life or a good parent. Right. So, um, I really think that the self-care goes so hand in hand with your overall well-being, but also how, how well you can parent your child. Right. I agree. Um, cause when I didn't, when I don't feel good, I know that I'm not the best parent I can be. And so then you feel that mom guilt again, where it's just this constant cycle. So I think if, if I have a second one, I would know more about, okay, even if I have to talk to my husband where it's you take baby and get up with him for an hour in the morning so I can shower and brush my teeth and sit down and have a cup of coffee for 10 minutes by myself. Now I know those little things that can make such a huge impact But being a first-time mom, it was, we're going to get through this. And then before you know it, a month goes by, and then three months goes by, and it's just, you're put on the back burner as a person, and that's not how it should be. Right. And that brings me to the final point that I did want to, you know, talk about for those, those listening is the reality is that you have to, as a, as a mom or a dad, build in ways to make self-care work. And you gave, you know, some great examples just in what you said in ways to make sure that you are trying to find ways to help make your self-care better if you are with a young baby that can't sleep through the night obviously number one is if your self-care is lacking get your baby sleeping better Um, but if that's not a possibility because your baby's young then number two is 
just like you said, okay, dad, you're going to take this part of the night uh, and I'm going to sleep. Or I've had some parents divide one night's mom, one night's dad. Um, and the other one sleeps in another room, earplugs in, not like, you know, white noise machine. Don't wake me up unless the house is burning. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that way, you know, you can get a good night of sleep first. And then dad, I can also get a good night of sleep. And then same thing. Yes. In the morning, like this is your time to take care of him, mom or dad, while the other parent goes and showers and cleans up and yeah, building like building structure around um, making sure that those self-care opportunities can happen. Uh, Because the reality is like you just said, it could be a few months before things are more regulated that it can more naturally happen. Right. And I think one thing I remember you telling me when you were helping us through this process was Lincoln has two parents because I would take on the night shifts and then be with him all day where I felt like I'm the mom. He wants me. He needs me. I need to be with him 24 seven. And so when you said Lincoln needs to know he has two parents, I think that was one huge thing you said to me where I was like, you're right. Like, he needs to know that. And then also it gives my husband this sense of purpose where I was taking on all of the responsibility, no matter how much he said he would help or be like, Haley, wake me up at night when you need me. I'm happy to take on a shift. It was more me than anything else. And so that was such a powerful statement to me to be like, you're right. Lincoln does have two parents and Tanner can help too. Cause I think that the lack of sleep just changed my judgment so much. And then of course being right. a mom where I'm like, I, I want to do it all. That piece of right. just self care of the lack of sleep and the decisions we make or the judgment we have. It was such a huge moment when you said that, because then I knew that it was okay to ask for help and that my self care gets better by asking for that help. For sure. Yeah. I even, you know, advise to parents like, of course, definitely let the other parent come in. And that is a common theme that I will see is one parent kind of takes it all, um, all on and, and maybe even has some experience of like quicker getting them back to sleep. So then it's like, even like feeds that more, like I can do this faster. So I might as well just do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also even, you know, recommend like family members, friends, or even hired help. Like if, if, you know, we're at a point where sleep is really not happening, we are really starting to struggle, then it might be that we, you know, need to bring in somebody to help us during the day so we can get out of the house, so we can take a nap, so we can do whatever it is that we need to do to bring on help. And it, that's hard to ask for. Um, it's hard to admit we need. And, and but that can be another thing that a, a parent can do if they are really feeling like they're missing any kind of self-care. Right. And it's a good point that you say have people come in because that was something I didn't do. I mean, I have my in-laws and my parents and my siblings close by always offering to help. But I held on to why would anybody else want to get up with him at two or in the morning or three in the morning? So I never asked for the help. But even during the day, I had this hard time being like, I'm working so hard on trying to get him to take a good nap or to sleep well, what if somebody comes in and messes this up? And so then again, I wasn't taking care of myself where I was like, I have help. Like I can go get out of the house. Even if I just go and 
sit down somewhere or walk through the mall and not remember it fully because I'm so tired, just getting out. And so it was like, I had the help. I just didn't use it. And I think that was another piece of the misjudgment part that I had where it was, if I had sleep, even now I'm like, okay, I'm getting so much more sleep. And I love when my mom comes over because now I feel completely fine leaving. Um, I don't have that sense of like, I need to be here all the time. But I think it's because now I'm thinking more logically. And when I wasn't getting sleep, it was just the lack of energy and me trying so hard to get Lincoln sleep. I did not want any outside factors coming in and changing that. Right. Yeah, no. And you, yeah, you bring up a huge point too there with um, like your thought process, uh, sleep deprivation definitely skews that for sure. Um, and, and, you know, it's just a journey to, to figuring out what you, what, what you need to do to, to get there and, and hats off to you for knowing that you needed to take care of this and, and acknowledging that something had to, had to change for you, uh, for your baby, for your whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of times parents will go months and months and even years before they realize, Hey, I, we need to do something here, uh, and make some changes. And so it, uh, what you're doing is, is worth it. Um, and will be something that, you know, you'll look back on and, and say like, I'm, I'm glad that I made sleep a priority for us. Well, thank you. It's been a long journey, but it's been worth it. Yeah. And I, uh, and, and I always say that to everybody too, like you have to sleep every day for the rest of your life. There are very few things you have to do every day and, you know, things like eating, which is obviously another thing we have to do every day. Like there's so much focus out there on making sure you have a healthy diet for, you know, a million different reasons and having healthy sleep is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I always tell parents like, you're never going to regret uh, taking, trying, taking steps to, to make your family sleep better. It's not to say that it's not going to be challenging and not going to, you know, have some stressful moments to it, but so is not sleeping. Right. Uh, I, yeah. So the hard part for me was when you hear of sleep training, I thought of like the cry it out method, like, Oh, my baby's just going to be crying. So I was like, I'd rather not get sleep and comfort my baby than to let him cry it out. And that was another Mm -hmm. like miss perception and lack of judgment on my part because then once I reached out to you that was not it at all and so now I'm like why didn't I just go into it being like regardless of what we have to do we're at the end of this journey gonna get more sleep but I think it was just me being so emotional and these ups and downs that right it's just a challenge to think clearly when you're in that lack of sleep mode it really, yeah, it really is. And you bring up a, another really great point with the whole cry it out um, process. And and unfortunately, I think that, you know, sleep training gets a bad rap that that's like the only thing that you can do. Because quite frankly, if you're not doing it with a professional who can guide you along, and you know, obviously, as you saw in your experience, it is fairly detailed. Um, And it isn't something that is super easy for you, a, a parent that's really never done any kind of, you know, extensive work around sleep to go like, oh, okay, I know how to, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then you just go implement it. So it's hard to implement a non cry it out process. It's really easy to screw up. Um, And so I think that's why so many parents, if they're doing it on their own, are doing a cry it out process, because that is fairly black and white in implementation, Mm -hmm. not saying it's easy at all, because it's not, but it is easy to implement, like, it's pretty clear what you have to do. 
Um, whereas, you know, the methods that I, I typically like to use are more parent supported and they have more detail and they're a lot easier to screw up on your own if you don't know what you're doing. Right. And then of course that just makes everything worse too. Um, but yes, it, it, it does not have to be, you know, your baby is left to cry for, um, you know, hours on end without having any kind of, any kind of response or support, nor does it even have to look like your baby's left to being crying for that long. Right. It can be done easier, easier than that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Haley. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure there's going to be a mom or dad listening to this that's going to say, you know, amen. Thank you for somebody else out there <laughs> knowing how I feel and what I'm going through. So uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time with me today. Of course. And to all those parents, you guys have this. We are a team together. So it gets so much better. Hi, welcome to Sleepwell's podcast. I am your host, Shannon Glenn. This is episode number 18. Today I'm going to sit down again with Haley Nelson and do part two of our conversation. We're going to talk about how lack of sleep can really impact your self-care and the importance of self-care. I think you'll enjoy the episode. <music> 